we are in the Rebuilders series, which is looking at the, the kind of Israelite return from exile uh, and the four books that kind of cover the Israelite return is Ezra, Nehemiah, Zechariah, and Haggai. And up to this point, we have looked at two kind of topics. Uh, we looked at exile and exodus in, in our kind of first series. Exile, which is kind of like the human condition, is we are in exile outside of the garden. Uh, um, um, and exodus is God's redemptive action, how God works. He brings us out of exile um, and ultimately brings us to himself. And then we looked at the return and how Zechariah as a prophet reframes our understanding of return, not just a return to place, but return to person, return to God. This exodus back into the land is in the rebuilding process. Repentance is the returning to God with our hearts. Looked at, which is just such a long name, so bear with me here long name, we're looking at the anticlimactic nature of renewal. That? So I want to read one passage quickly. It's all sense. Uh, in Ezra 3, it says, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with their trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with symbols took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Seeing the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. And while many others shouted for joy, no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise. It's heard far away, kind of anticlimactic uh, nature of the rebuilding process um, and the anticlimactic nature of Maya. Um, some of the theologians and commentators who, who talk about Ezra and, and Nehemiah say this, that probably the overarching theme, which is not, doesn't sound great, and anticlimax is uh, uh, one of the definitions, is a disappointing decline after a previous rise. Isn't that a great uh, definition? A disappointing decline. Anticlimax is that like moment of disappointment when you've been anticipating something to be so great. For my 30th birthday, which was a while ago, yo, my wife and my family and a bunch of people got together to get me an iPad mini. It had just come out. They just brought the, the first generation iPad mini out and I was finally like, okay, I'm ready to give into this iPad thing, you know, because it's smaller. It's not like this big. I mean, my laptop's already small, so I was like, why do I need an iPad? So I was like, okay, I'm going to get the iPad mini. So they all get together and I am pumped. I know it's coming. For it, I am so excited. Like, really excited. Get it on my birthday, open it up, charge it, and then I start using it. And I'm like, oh, it's not that great to read off. And then I'm like, oh, the keyboard. This is horrible. I've used my laptop. Like, it's now like a glorified music player and, uh, in our home. Um, but um, it was super anticlimactic. Like, 
the, the anticipation was so much better than the actual getting of the gift. And I don't know if you've had birthdays like that. I feel like that's how I am with birthdays because I love birthdays. But I've learned what I really love is the anticipation for birthdays more than the actual event because somehow the event is always just a little bit of a letdown. It's anticlimactic. It's probably an experience that we all face in some way or another, uh, you know, Sometimes church is anticlimactic, you know, you start off, church is looking great, you find a, a new church, you're like, this is going to be amazing, and then someone lets you down, you're like, this place is the worst. Or, you know, it, it can be the new coffee shop you go to, and the coffee is so great the first time you're there, you're really excited to go again, and then the second time you go, it's too hot, and it tastes a bit burnt, and you're like, yo, this place is the worst. Or, it could be a number of different things, but often life throws us a whole bunch of anticlimactic curveballs. It's this, this thing where the anticipation and the lead up to something feels so great, but then when you finally get it or you get to that place, it's a little bit of a letdown. And that may be a promotion, that may be anticipating the smell of it in the kitchen, you eat it, it's not as great as it smelled, or etc., etc. Etc. Anticlimax is like this disappointing period of expectation. It's anticlimax in some way is what we could say a letdown. It's that moment of down. Now, some of the commentators say that the Ezra and Nehemiah narrative, and the reason why we do them together is because most people believe that they were one book at one point, not two. Um, so, so whenever Ezra and Nehemiah the same scroll and believed to be uh, one book. But the reason why commentators say that anticlimactic and why probably the overarching theme of the book is anticlimactic is because the book is broken into three sections, three leaders. You've got Zerubbabel who comes on the scene to build the temple. You've got Ezra who comes on the scene. He's sent back um, um, by the Persian Empire. He's sent there to kind of restore the moral kind of uh, code in, in Israel. And then you've got Nehemiah who comes to build the walls. But what you get in each leader is you get this really anticlimactic moment. Here, the temple, can you imagine this guy is a leader? He's come to build the temple. They've just laid the foundations. Things are looking excited. They've got the musos out. The musos are doing their thing. They're playing. Everything's looking good. Some people are shouting. And then all the people who have been there before, they are weeping. But they're not just weeping. They're weeping so loud that you can't distinguish between their weeping and the shouts of joy. It's like super anticlimactic. Kitchen Zeru Babel, he thinks he's done a great thing. I'm crushing this thing. And boom, people are weeping. People are crying like, this is so lame. Like, what have you done? You've built the lamest temple um, of all time. And uh, I, it's, it's like this super anticlimactic moment. What should be a real high, meh. If you've ever watched that emoji movie, that uh, emoji meh, like just like, uh, not so great. Um, but then it gets, they finally rebuild the temple. And unlike when, when Solomon uh, rebuilds the temple, the glory of God comes in the temple. When Zerubbabel completes the temple, nothing. 
as great um, as we expect it to be. Then Ezra comes on the scene, and Ezra is amazing. Revival, like you're thinking, Ezra is crushing it. He brings revival, he reads the Bible for like eight hours, like a ridiculous long time. How does anyone reading the Bible out loud for eight hours result in revival? But it does, the people are awakened, they are alive. Things are really exciting. And then you get to Ezra chapter 10, and what you read in Ezra chapter 10 is everyone's getting divorced. And you're like, cool, like, Great. And then you get Nehemiah, gets people together, they build the wall in front of their homes, and he rebuilds the wall of Jerusalem in 52 days, which without modern technology, like that is a feat of note. And he becomes the governor of, of uh, uh, Jerusalem, and he's rebuilt the city. Now he's trying to rebuild all the civic structures. He's instituting the elders on the wall and doing all trying to rebuild the economy and get the city going. And then you get to chapter 13, and it's in disarray again. The end, the end of this whole narrative is Nehemiah, like the final verse of Nehemiah is Nehemiah going, remember me, O Lord. It's like the sign of defeat, the sign of like, oh God, I've tried everything I can do. Please remember me because it seems like what I've left behind is just not so great. Like, and this is what happens over and over in this book. Each time someone seems to be doing something great, there comes a point where you're like, oh, it's not as great as it looked. And then Ezra comes on. Wow, he seems to be doing something great. There's a revival. People are changing their moral ways. But in their moral ways, they become like ultra-legalistic and... Divorces happen. Nehemiah is so enthusiastic, rebuilding the city, and he pulling apart. And the only thing he's left to say is, "Oh Lord, please." The reasons for the anticlimactic. Uh, one of the reasons the commentators say that this book is essentially anticlimactic. Remind the people that what they're really hoping for has not yet come. Has not yet come. So it's like the, the purpose of Ezra and Nehemiah is to leave people with a sense of dissatisfaction where they are. Saying, hey guys, we know you've built the temple. We know we started to um, reconstitute some, some moral Stuff We know that, uh, um, you know, Nehemiah's trying to rebuild the fabric of civic society. We know that, but there's, there's a dissatisfaction that we are meant to be left with, which is a dissatisfaction which is meant to produce an anticipation for what the prophets prophesied for, the coming. So they were... You know, Ezekiel had prophesied that uh, God won't, and he's going to dwell within his own people. Um, you know, and then Zechariah prophesies a city without walls. Uh, and in the city, it's not going to be centered around a temple because God is going to dwell within that city. The prophets were prophesying something greater than the reality of what they're building. And so the anticlimactic nature of this is to remind them what is coming is greater than what they have. Are we okay? Tracking? Do we need a breather? 
What that does remind us is uh, one of the in theology is the tension of what they call the now and not yet. Does this is that God is speaking and is at work within his people at any given time. God is at work in our lives now. God is at work in the rebuilding of the temple while Zerubbabel was building it. He is at work, you know, then, now. But um, he's, at, he's at work with Nehemiah. He's at work with Ezra. God is at work in the present, accomplishing his plans. That God's work is leading towards a day when Christ will rule and reign completely, the heavens and the earth. When the kingdom of God will be fully realized. When we will live in the day when, as uh, uh, Revelation says, the lion and the lamb lie together. When the, the, the tension of sin and the world is broken by the victory of Christ. That is the not yet. It's the anticipatory hope that we long for as Christians. We live in the tension of the now and the not yet. That God is at work now, here, but we are still anticipating and waiting for to come. We new creation life of God at work. No, we see the kingdom breaking in. We even see people get healed. We see lives change. We see places where it just seems God has saturated those places and yet still isn't fully in the tension of the now and not yet. Uh, Desiring God puts it a little bit like this. This is the tension we we live in is we live in this age you can put up the this age and the that comes we live in this interesting block created by the both when Jesus first comes it's like he brings new creation into this world but it's not yet fully realized the tension of that now comes and returns the age to come the the kingdom of God will be fully realized the anticlimactic nature of church and life will be broken because we will experience the glory of God. In, but we live in this tension, and it is this tension that causes, like, and uh, we've come back from COVID. It's going to be rebuilt. We're the rebuilders. You know, we're doing this series. It's going to be amazing. And, and, and it might go really well for years. And then one year, maybe someone will really hurt you. Something will happen that will just go, oh, this is not as great as it felt. You may be doing renewal work in the city. Renewal work. You may get to a point where you think, oh, this is amazing. The kingdom of God is coming. And then something will happen. And you'll be like, oh, this is not as great as I expected. Lisa and I took over student ministry on campus in 2014, and we were involved there for like four years. And we had a couple years on campus that were amazing. Amazing Things were going well. Uh, we had some people getting saved. The campus ministry was pretty loved it. And then we handed over in 2017, and in three months, the ministry closed. And we're like, cool. Like, you know, like, it was so anticlimactic. You were just like, oh, that's like not what you had 
hope for. It's, it's, like, it's like this excitement of, yeah, this thing's going amazing. It's going to be great. And then, oh, just good as it's part of this is that what we're really hoping for, which kingdom of God fully realized in Christ's return. Uh, so I think it's next slide is probably going to say the result, but I've changed that on mine. It says uh, the challenge uh, is this. The challenge of anticlimax is that within us is disappointment, tension, fracture, and discouragement. So anticlimax often produces within us a disappointment or tension or fracture. I, I think the reason why people are very discouraged with church is because of this hope, this it's going to be so great and then something happens and it's anticlimactic and it leads to disappointment and discouragement. In in Ezra and Nehemiah, we don't just see disappointment and discouragement, we tension. We see the tension between the young and the old in uh, the passage that I read. The tension between those who are seeing the temple's foundations laid for the first time and really excited about that. And the tension between the old who are looking at that and thinking this is average. The tension between some who think something is so great and the tension between some who are really disappointed with how things are going. Or as we we see in uh, the end of Ezra, the fracturing of people around this anticlimactic moment where the, the, you're hoping that the moral fabric of that society was increasing and growing and it results in a legalistic uh, fracturing of family and marriages. The hope that the morality would come and bring the family unit uh, strong and core in the society and all of a sudden it gets pulled. Um, what happens in, with anticlimactic, if we don't, if we aren't careful about it, is it results in disappointment, tension, fracture and discouragement. So the reason why I think this is important, souls involved in something, fracture, discouragement, or whatever other words we want to add to that process, is that cause of nature of renewal work. The purpose of Ezra and Nehemiah's anticlimactic kind of overarching theme. What is the tension of this in our own lives? This anticlimactic kind of nature. I think the tension is to remind us that this, or to remind us that there be more. The nature of the book is to point them to the coming Messiah. And the anticlimactic nature of our kind of experience in church and with renewal and with our own discipleship and our own becoming more like Jesus and the frustration of that process, the frustration of us thinking that we're doing really great and then all of a sudden just feels like everything falls apart. Like part of the tension of that, part of the purpose of the anticlimactic nature of these things is to remind us that this right now, that there must be more. The temple is not the temple they really hoped for. That the law that Ezra was bringing back to the people was not the law that was going to be written on people's hearts. Jerusalem in all its glory with prophets 
were prophesying, what they really were hoping for, fire and the kingdom that he would bring. And with us who know of the coming Messiah, it is for us the reminder that the coming Messiah is coming again to bring his kingdom in its fullness. Rebuilders series, uh, and, and we look at the rebuilders, I think two, two important things for us, two things that I think hopefully anticlimactic process helps remind us is this, helps to remind us that we need focus in this rebuilding process. But the focus is, it's, uh, it says in, in Hebrews 12, it says, therefore let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The focus of the Christian life is to be on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And Hebrews 12 comes after Hebrews 11. So all these people that had accomplished things, you know, like Abraham did this, but wasn't that great. Moses had, you know, taken people out of the promised land, but never went into it. Uh, and things about these great people of the Old Testament who did great things, but just didn't fully realize what they were hoping for. And then what does it end up with? It ends up with Jesus. And then what does he say? He doesn't say, well, now that Jesus has come, let us go and do all the great things that they just didn't quite fully do. What the author of Hebrews reminds us is that even in this process, we'll f face the same challenges. On the road, we're going to face the same challenges as others. We have Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This anticlimactic nature of renewal and requires us to keep our focus on Christ through the rebuilding process. When church seems to be going well, we don't turn our eyes off Jesus and think, oh, look how great this is going. When our lives are going well, we don't turn our eyes off for Jesus and think, yo, I've arrived, I'm perfect. I'm like, point here. When, when everything, when up at the mountain and everything goes well. Like just what, someone's going to break into your house. Like it's just going to happen, you know. We live in South Africa. But um, you know, the, the, the tension of, of this is to remind us that our focus is important. And our focus is on the second thing that this process hopefully does is it builds resilience to walk through Difficult moments are going well. It's easy when everything is going well. Um, resilience is that when things seem to be falling apart, are we still going to be able to walk through that? And I think there's a, a certain resilience that's required for us who want to be rebuilders, who want to be people, who want to be part of the renewal of Durban, the part of the rebuilding of Harbour City, the part of this process, we require focus, the, the focus to remind ourselves that Jesus is our ultimate hope, to push through even when things don't turn out as, as we had hoped for. Sometimes I think that what some things require is just us to stick around long enough 
to get through the disappointment, uh, through the highs of victories when uh, this is our ultimate hope. About six years ago now, 130 of us that got on a plane, I think it was on a Friday afternoon, if I remember correctly, we got on a plane, Emirates plane, we traveled over to New York, uh, and we were kind of all connected to like the city story story and uh, hoping, going to this massive movement day, um, for instance, there were people from all over the world, and we had gone there, excited. Went to a few meetings, we were all excited, we're going to movement day, we're hearing about how cities were transformed, um, and, and it was amazing. Like, it was amazing to be there, to go and see certain things, to hear different people talking, to just be with a whole group of people on a plane. Like, that in itself is an experience, sitting, being like, hey, I know you and you and you and you and everyone around. Like, it was, it was quite an experience. And we're part of the city story thing. And then when I, I, I stopped uh, in work, and see... I know Callum did some work uh, on, on their website, but like there was this real hope that something would work as harder than you think. You think it's just going to come like that. It's harder than it is. And then we have the riots. Wow. Paul. Hello, Micah. Is that for me? Is that my lunch? So deeply affected people were most hopeful for Durban, of renewal crushed an event that was happening around them. The, the hope of renewal became extremely anticlimactic in that moment, had in that moment. And the anti, as the vision of a renewed Durban seemed to be crushed days, as the, the vision and the excitement of people working together was crushed by COVID and riots and then floods this year, as, as the challenge of renewal became on the forefront of everyone's mind, how many of us just pushed, gone? Run away. And it happens with us. And it will happen with City Story. And it will happen with Harbour City. Thing that we're a part of. These anticlimactic moments that seem to crush the work that we're doing. This anticlimactic nature of renewal is there to remind us that our ultimate hope is Zion. In different places. It will be at the end anticlimactic, the city in which the glory of God is the center it's paved with gold. It's going to be as God has instituted the church for our discipleship, which we hope for. It is walk of discipleship will be. At times it's going to be exhilarating and at times it's going to be really disappointing. It will be. At times you'll finishes, and at times you'll feel like you've walked five steps. But there to remind us. But here, it's not now. It's not the city of Cape Town. It's not NPO doing the greatest work. It's not at hope is city everything that's happened pushing city where our kids can grow up in and our grandkids can grow up in where there's 
peace and prosperity, with justice and care and care. We want to see that there's going to be discouragements, there's going to be disappointments. At times, there will be something that will happen so anticlimactic. I pray, Lord, that you would help us through those times. Resilience to go through the highs and the lows, to have the focus to remember your city, the kingdom of God, Zion, mourning, who maybe encouragement, maybe even feel like relational fracture through some place. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us get through the tension, discouragement, help us to look up the perfecter of our faith. Even as we talk about rebuilding and Nehemiah thing, as we talk about exile and exodus and repentance and, and challenge of rebuilding and the difficulties and the highs and the lows, uh, especially the lows when we find ourselves, Lord, that you would help. Really good. And uh, just a reminder, tonight, 6.30, Kingdom Humanity event is happening at Glenridge, which is above uh, the station. Um, and uh, 6.30, uh, are free this evening. Please join us. Otherwise, have a good day and a good week.